Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Very Hicken Bros Podcast. We are recording the 47th episode of the podcast. We got some exciting topics. Trevor is going to talk about black holes and I'm going to talk about uh, self-driving cars again. So it's going to be kind of the same thing as last time. But I'm going to talk about another company that I believe is passing Tesla and self-driving car technology. <clears throat> so I think Tesla's in a third place now. And what do you have going on, Trevor? I have 400 sandwiches to make tomorrow. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> 400 sandwiches. Yeah, it's not even counting the large nugget trays we have, so. And it doesn't count the normal order of people coming through. It's going to be so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you survive. I've been watching uh, this new, or I don't know, I think it is new, new to Netflix, uh, a couple months or maybe a month ago. I don't know. I can't keep track of time. My uh, <laughs> co-worker before she... Well, right after she uh, quit, she said, like, oh, you should watch uh, Promise Neverland. And I'm like, okay. And then I watched a couple episodes. Pretty good. Oh, is that the psychological thriller? Horror, yeah. It's the anime tried watching what about you what what do you have going on yeah i got another job interview on friday i kind of been familiar with this company for a few months so kind of feel more confident with it it's a interview with an actual subcontractor company that, that i'm more comfortable with also I've uh, worked with subcontractors my whole career, so hopefully that goes well and I get a job. I'll be, uh, the company builds pools, so I might be able to test them. (laughs) Trevor and I used to swim on some swim teams. Yeah, we swam in two teams. We started in the Santa Cruz Aquatics, and then we were, I don't know. I don't know if it's an upgrade, side grade. It's a, after that, we went to the Cabrillo Threshers. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was uh, pretty crazy that uh, you had to, like, attend meets and, like, portion them out amount of time out to them per month just to be on the club and yeah I think that's why we stopped (laughs) yeah they were expecting volunteer work from my parents and they didn't want to deal with that (laughs) I think (laughs) yeah 
I haven't been swimming. Have you been swimming since? Mm, not really. I usually swim on vacation. That's mainly it. Yeah. Anything else you have going on? Mm, nope. I was uh, looking at my uh, news feed and I saw this. Oh, Red Chocobo. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, what, what would you expect a Red Chocobo would, like, do? I feel like the Red Chocobos would be, like, pretty fast. I don't know. Mm, I would imagine it being part of uh, evil society of warlocks. Huh. Interesting. They have crazy armor on it. Only a special... uh, You have to join a special uh, clan of warriors to get a red chocobo. Yeah. Yeah. Red chocobos are. Uh, I mean, they, in a lot of different games, it's red chocobo. I don't really have much knowledge about it, but apparently, uh, red chocobo is a uh, a deadly omen. Uh, <laughs> in uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, the multi a mo- massive multiplayer online RPG game. He uh, returned um, from a two-year disappearance. It's uh, based on the expansion of a Final Fantasy XII quest. Um, I guess this red chocobo is super hard to, like, escape because they're, like, three times faster than chocobos and stuff. (laughs) Uh And, uh, yeah, a lot of people have been trying to, like, Instead of escape, like try to battle him out and like defeat him, but uh, the red chocobo, what they do is they, like, let's say you have your whole party. I don't know, it's at least ten people. They trap you in like this area, and in that area, you you can't move out of it. <laughs> so they just keep attacking you with these like crazy AOE spells that like kill you and these guys are veterans they're like level 80 (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh, they go around and there's a ton of people just like trying to like (laughs) destroy it and they can they just end up dying in this little circle is that like some weird spell yeah they trap you in there and you can't move and uh, yeah I saw photos of like multiple parties just on the ground dead and they're like waiting to get resurrected and stuff it's, it's pretty sad sounds like me yeah so you can't really attack it they just trap you in there and kill you uh you can but <laughs> like once you get trapped they just keep like launching these crazy spells on you and destroy you hmm yeah, this isn't the first time Red Chocobos has uh, been a problem. They popped up in Final Fantasy Tactics, and they just attacked you with, like, meteor attacks. And <laughs> Yeah, you had to run around just to, like, chip damage at him. You can't stay still, or you just get trapped and get meteorite attacked. Is it still going on today? 
yeah it's a uh it's a very unpleasant thing to see <laughs> are they gonna let the red chocobo keep on existing until somebody kills it <laughs> yeah i don't know we have to see it's gonna be a new expansion and maybe they'll exist until then who knows yeah, it's my uh, Final Fantasy fourteen topic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, talking about people trying to align to uh, fight something evil, the military has continued uh, their development with uh, View 6. In March, I spoke about uh, their deal with the U.S. Defense Department um, was working with View6 to uh, make some augmented reality glasses and they were happy with the products that they provided for them and they are on the second phase of development and they commissioned View6 to design uh, new glasses for their uh, deployment. The contract is only in the low $100,000 range. So it's not like millions of dollars over like years. It's just one contract. One thing that's interesting is that it says that they're going to develop a special customized waveguide-based head-worn AR display. And I was wondering what that was because the article didn't really explain that much either. <laughs> when I was looking into it, I found a video from Corning. They seem to be an expert on these uh, this technology. So what it is is that uh, it's a glass technology, and it enables um, the images that is displayed through it to be displayed throughout the the lens of the glass and it's a ultra flat glass that has high ref refractive index through it so it uh, lets uh, the image come out at uh, throughout the whole lens that sounds pretty cool I, th I was really <laughs> impressed when I saw it I thought it was really innovative um, does that make sense, Trevor? Um, I'd probably have to see like a diagram or something, but it sounds impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I saw the video, it looked like the light would like walk downstairs <laughs> in the lens <laughs> and some of them will come out on the top layer and then some will come out of the second layer of uh, these like um, the index the what's it called um, the high refractive index yeah so sometimes we uh, we imagine a little screen that reflects an image but this technology allows the image to be carried through the actual lens of the glasses and displayed into our eyes throughout the whole lens of the glasses. Uh -huh. 
I haven't had an augmented reality <laughs> update in a long time. Yeah, but I'm talking about my uh, classic topics today. I got a AR topic, a hydrogen fuel topic, and self-driving car topic. What do you have next, Trevor? Hydrogen's uh, not a classic. I would say it's like a newer topic for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going back to an old topic back in the day, like 2008. Uh, <laughs> but uh, HTC is uh, back at it again with the latest Desire 20 Plus. I've been thinking about it. It's a optimistically good buy for anyone who's in the market for a cheap mid-range phone. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of... Uh, the latest mid-range competitors coming from Google, OnePlus, and Apple. The focus, I would say, with this phone is photography because it has a really good set of cameras on it. Surprisingly, the front-facing camera has a 16-megapixel camera. Wow. Um, Then the back camera has four cameras, a 48-megapixel main uh, five megapixel ultra wide, and then five megapixel depth camera, and then the uh, also the one that most people don't even care about, the two megapixel macro camera that they put on there just to make it look like they care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the surprise it's surprisingly cheaper than most uh, other ones. It's two hundred ninety five dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the moment, it's only available only in Taiwan, where they're from. Hmm. Everything else is decent. It has a 5,000 megaamp hour battery, large storage capacity of 128. It has a pretty good amount of RAM, 6, and uh, a 720G mid-range processor, the Snapdragon. It's a interesting choice, I think, to... Usually, you'd go with, like, uh, OnePlus Nord or the um, Pixel 4a. They went with the 765G. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is, uh, a, a sim- it's like, in the same family. But instead of having fewer processors, it has more. But they both are clocked at the same speed. But uh, the screen, it only has to push... Uh, 1600 pixels by 720 so it's a low resolution but I mean for that price point I wouldn't expect any more and it's not going to have like 90 hey, we have refresh rate so but I mean th- th- it looks good I like the um, look of it there's like a orange and black color scheme for Halloween for some reason and uh, <laughs> um, what was the last part oh they uh they keep a headphone jack. It has NFC, and uh, I think if HTC can make enough money back from this, maybe they can start investing into more interesting and innovating products. Maybe a Alex asked me earlier, what would I do if I was HTC to like bring it back? I'd say I don't know. They designed a HTC. The Dream had a slide-out mechanism that was really unique, and I thought it was really cool. 
I was thinking they can make some kind of foldable mm-hmm. desi- device in that manner. And uh, Alex is saying they're focusing on uh, competing with the uh, with the Facebook uh, Oculus Rift devices and the Quest Two. Back in the day, if you don't know the history, HTC was when the debut of Android started alongside the <laughs> the first iPhones. Android was first. Uh, the first product I ran on was HTC Dream, and they were HTC was actually a pretty popular brand. Like I knew a few people that had him, and I loved him. Like I would used to go to uh, like Sprint Store or Verizon just to like get my hands on them and test them out. <laughs> they had really good like build quality, and they had a really good skin at the beginning before the stock Android was the preferred Android choice. And they lost their footing after, like, the Pixel line started. Ever since that, like, they, I think they helped with the Pixel um, 3 design because Google bought HTC's uh, developers and designers. So that's what I was thinking like maybe after they bought them like HTC was left like empty handed and didn't have much to work with and they had to start from scratch with new designs and developers and designers (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so I think I heard that HTC Vive was supposed to be a really good VR headset but the newest uh, Oculus Quest too is good price, so they may have they might have to like work to compete with that pricing. Yeah, have you ever owned any HTC products, Trevor? Um, I think HTC. If no, no, I don't think I have. If I think the HTC, no. Every every one of the phones I've had were either LG, OnePlus, or Google, which the ones I've had were LG were the ones building it. Did they make any Nexus phones? Um, I think they helped with uh, Nexus 6. Oh, yeah. You didn't have that one. Like a phablet of a phone. It was gigantic. And didn't... Did they uh, make any of the Nexus tablets? I think they did. They made the Nexus, uh, was it the 8? The one, was that the one you had? I had the Nexus 9. Uh, I, let me, I think HTC, see, Nexus 9, I think that was HTC. I vaguely remember seeing the back of it. Yeah, it was. It was a little sim. Yeah, so I got one of them. Yeah, and that was one of your uh, primary machines for a while <laughs> when you took notes and. Yeah, I still have it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, people at school would call me like the tablet guy because I was always taking notes and taking pictures of the <laughs> screen. And <laughs> I don't know. They Maybe they thought I was a weird person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was uh, on the cutting edge of uh, technology. 
Yeah, I didn't even know they announced another phone earlier this year. I just read up on the specs and it was very lackluster. And this is definitely a better uh, phone to try to sell. The other one had, I guess, 660 chipset, which I'm not sure is very competent in this day and age. <laughs> they do sponsor hmm. a bunch of esport teams. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, they might be able to get up in front of a broad audience if they sponsor a Taiwanese team. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe Overwatch should make a Taiwanese team, and HTC can sponsor them. Yeah, they need to practice some like guerrilla tactics or something to become mainstream again. Yeah, they they were once like the face of android now they make blockchain phones that i don't think anyone really <laughs> cares about uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah that's uh hcc's future at the moment hopefully they can uh uh get that phone selling outside of taiwan i would love to see like hcc come back like, if there was any, like, phone companies or technical companies I would like to see come back, it would be H- HTC would be one of them. Mm-hmm. My next topic, we'll be talking about a country near Taiwan. It's a company in Australia. This company is called Leo Hydrogen. They are developing the, you know, the Tesla... Power walls. It's kind of like a big battery that powers your house that's charged by solar powers. I don't really know that much. I don't know why Tesla and Elon Musk lo- loves batteries so much. I, I'm not that into batteries. You know what I'm talking about, Trevor? Yeah, batteries, I think... Uh, oh... They eliminate, if you have a huge battery like Tesla does in a car, it uh, eliminates the need to burn fuel, which is a pollutant. Uh-huh. But you said that batteries also, uh, um, what was it going to say? Didn't you say batteries, they are still like very bad for the environment when you remove him from the car yeah batteries uh like once they're done for you can't really dispose of them very well they're very toxic still it's hard to like safely remove the uh the power whatever it powers it yeah and also the manufacturing of the batteries is very destructive to the earth to gather the minerals and elements for it yeah it's not uh self-sustaining yeah but uh, leo hydrogen is developing a product that is a competitor to the power wall alternative energies in australia seems to be like a big thing australia has the most uh residential solar systems installed on homes so it's a big uh, market for this 
but uh, Leo Hydrogen, they have developed a power wall product somewhat that uh, uses hydrogen fuel. And it uses the solar panels to electro to perform electrolysis on the water and to um, use the hydrogen as a fuel for the house. The power wall could carry more than three times as much energy and it could carry it for a longer period of time. Its capacity is 40 kilowatt hours and the power wall that Tesla has is 13 and a half kilowatt hours and uh, uh, the 40 kilowatt hours could power an average house for more than two days about that much so yeah so I think it's good because if you're out off-grid and your something happens with your solar panels and you need to replace them with maybe your extra ones and fix it, you have a day or so to fix it. <laughs> if, but with Tesla's power wall, it only lasts probably a day or so and you might be without power and there's more flexibility with the... Uh, <laughs> this uh, hydrogen fuel alternative mm -hmm. the the pre-orders start in november next month and they expect to start installing them in uh, july or so next year i think june or july they're planning to sell ten thousand of these units by the end of the year next year the system costs about uh, almost $25,000. That would pretty much cover cost of... I mean, it would provide your electricity. I wonder how... Like, yeah, I would like this. Yeah, I wonder how... You said it's $25,000? Yeah. I wonder like how long until the uh, electricity uh, bill would be paid off in $25,000. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For myself, I barely use any. You know, I'm barely. My electricity bill is pretty low. It'd probably be for like commercial use more than, so, uh, like home use. Hmm. Yeah, you got a good point there. It doesn't seem to be a very good uh, investment. But. Jessica and I have talked about what happens if we don't have electricity and we want to use a microwave or make bread or something yeah. and there's no electricity and what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, I guess there is a point there. It's like a s generator of your own or you could just have a generator for backup if you were w really worried about microwave or baking bread when you have the electricity down <laughs> yeah <laughs> I thought you said you're really worried about toasting your bread <laughs> no 
I really want to toast my bread. Uh, the power is out. Yeah. <clears throat> Talking about uh, unrealistic uh, products for your home. Uh, LG has finally <laughs> uh, been able to start selling the rollerball TV. They've been working on getting this out to the market for, uh, since like 2018. They uh, showed it off at um, the electronics like shows. And uh, it's a 65-inch. They call it a LG Signature OLED R. Right now, it's only in South Korea, but <laughs> it costs a hundred million won, or more than eighty-seven thousand dollars. Hundred million won. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, the LG describes it's the most innovative development in TV technology in decades. Yeah, I, it's really crazy. When I saw this gift, it's just like um, the TV, like move, like kind of like a projector screen but like instead of the projector it's the actual TV just like shrinking down into the base of it mm-hmm. pretty insane but uh, they say the um, advantages of it is since it's flexible it uses a flexible OLED panel it uh, you can have it retract or um, like show partially and that allows it to display in different aspect ratios or you can just have it disappear when you're not using it and I thought that was pretty crazy I've never heard of a TV that actually did that because hmm. you know how like most movies we watch or a lot of movies we watch when we get them on like Blu-ray or something or sometimes you stream like older movies they have it like in widescreen and you have the black bars you could just like shrink your TV mm-hmm. to eliminate them and you wouldn't be bothered by it it'd be nice sounds like a expensive <laughs> workaround to get that but yeah <laughs> you can uh, get it in four colors uh, for the wall speaker and aluminum base with an engraving um yeah, it's uh, crazy. When you say it's an OLED Yeah, it's display? a flexible OLED. Nice. Yeah, LG has been uh, killing it in innovation lately. <laughs> LG Wing, the <laughs> signature OLED R. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Wing is more affordable, though. So. <laughs> yeah, you can actually <laughs> get that. <laughs> Talking about LG... I'll be talking about GM <laughs> and General Motors. Um, General Motors is the company that I believe is passing uh, Tesla in the self-driving car industry. They have a company that they have majority stake ownership in called Cruise. And... They're planning to launch their um, automobile (laughs) autonomous taxis in San Francisco without backup drivers by the end of the year. 
Um, yeah, that's uh, competing with Waymo at that point. Another thing that's it might be even ahead of Waymo is that they are uh, going to they're seeking permission to be able to get rid of the steering wheel and the gas pedal and the mirrors and maybe even the windshield <laughs> windshield and <laughs> uh, so someone can just like jump in it or something <laughs> yeah so it'll, it'll be kind of like a living room you're just chilling in there they're planning to uh, build uh, hmm. a car they call the origin mm-hmm they're planning to build them by the end of next year. Um, release them as self-driving cars. Yeah. And the way that they're going to deploy this is interesting because they say that they're going to go neighborhood by neighborhood and have little meetings with each communities and help them understand and gain their trust and the San Francisco people. Yeah, maybe you can uh, start applying to San uh, Francisco now. <laughs> yeah, I could apply to San Francisco <laughs> jobs now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, a good idea, Trevor. <laughs> uh, the company spokesman is Ray. His name is Ray uh, Wirt. He said... We understand that this is a trust race as much as it is a technology race. This is absolutely about making sure we're doing this with San Francisco. And uh, Yeah, San Francisco, I'd say, is like an ideal candidate to start since his not much parking and it's probably easier to get around taxi anyways and then that kind of traffic yeah san francisco is known for their hills yeah it's kind of scary to drive around i think i don't think it's the hills that's scary i think it's just like navigating and like how people drive around it's a little intimidating the first time you get in but you get used to it, but I mean, like, if you live there, you probably don't want to own a car just because it's just so hard to, like, once you're parked, you have to find, t- like, uh, opportune time to get out of there. It's like so much traffic all the time and people, and it's just, I mean, maybe not now because the thing in the world, so probably not as many people, but still annoying. Yeah, for some reason when I imagine driving around San Francisco, I imagine driving around with a stick shift and trying to park on like a hill and trying to get out and not uh, hit anything in neutral, (laughs) (laughs) trying to drive up a hill from a parking spot. Yeah, San Francisco, if you go to the city, yeah, there's a lot of hills and stuff, but, like, around it, it's it's fine. Like, last time, Nick and uh, Allison and I, we went to see uh, 
Camelot was the last concert we saw in San Francisco. We just found parking right next to the Palace of Fine Arts. I think we parked like right next to it. Mm-hmm. Or pretty close to it, so it wasn't too far away. But yeah, it wasn't hard. It wasn't like difficult to <laughs> get in. So I would say they probably like want to have these things running around in downtown. I I would love to get in one of those instead of having to like flag down a taxi or order a Uber. Yeah, this is a good opportunity for a cruise because we're talking with my parents and Uber and Lyft is not even operating yeah. down there anymore. Because uh, California so. is requiring people to pay something in order to... Oh, I don't know. Some kind of insurance? I don't know. I don't understand, but... <laughs> yeah, the the issue is that the government wants to treat all the Uber and Lyft drivers as as if they're employees, <laughs> and uh, they want the government wants Uber and Lyft to pay benefits to these contractors as if they're employees. <laughs> There'll be a lot of It'd be too much in expenses for them to pay insurance and all this stuff to them. And it wouldn't be very fair because they don't really have a choice to... Tr- it's They have less choice on who they employ and who drives for them. It might be some ran- random person that they're not really choosing to drive. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, but yeah, it's exciting to... Is it is the taxis? Are they like different sizes, or is it like one size that they're deploying right now? I don't know what it's called. I was reading another article that said Ford is going to use the Escape. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the car that seven that uh, GM is using. Hmm. Probably a uh, I don't know GMs. Yeah, I'm not sure if they. I think they might be testing right now. I'm not sure if they're driving anybody around yet, but uh, yeah, that's that's cool. At least it's not like uh, Tesla where they're requiring people to pay for the beta and then pay for any damages that the beta might have uh, caused if they crash. <laughs> yeah, it says right here there's no date for starting the ride service. And, yeah, so they don't seem to be that far ahead. Okay. Talking about, uh, uh, (laughs) I'm sure, uh, about dates and stuff. Um, The Milky Way is also a (laughs) thing we're very uncertain of. Uh, We have recently discovered about it a... Uh, halo that's revolving around it. Um, did you know that? There's a halo revolving around the Milky Way galaxy? The galaxy we reside in. Um, yeah, so this halo, they call it the Circumgalactic Medium, or CGM. So, there's a lot of gas and 
material that is being outputted by the Milky Way. At the same time, they are also taking in a lot of material. So it's kind of like a recycling uh, cycle. Recycling cycle? <laughs> uh, yeah, and they found this out because the University of Iowa were pointing some uh, mini satellites uh, and they noticed some x-rays emitted by it by the CGM and it has a disk-like geometry and yeah the Philip the professor says where the Milky Way is forming stars more vigorously there are more x-ray emissions from the circumgalactic medium that suggests the CGM is related to star formation and is likely we're seeing gas that has previously fell to the Milky Way helped make stars and now is being recycled into the CGM. So every galaxy has one of these but there's some parts that are crucial to understanding like how a galaxy formed and how it's evolved and how universes are progressing. Um, yeah, so they've been wanting to get a better handle on what the CGM's conf configuration is. He said that the, the second material is comprised of like a thin puffy layer of gas and is unlikely a host of a missing baryonic material or matter. And that's uh, what they say uh, they've been looking for is this atomic remnant that's been missing for like 14 billion years. Yeah, so some parts of the CGM are higher density. Uh, it's showing they showed that because in the higher x-ray emissions, there's a lot more in that area. And some parts are demo. Hmm. Still, so the main purpose of the in the x-ray observations that leading to this where they were searching for this missing bions. They are an essential matter, I guess, for creation. Hmm. I'm uh, having a hard time following. <laughs> You're talking about the halo and the gases recycling and uh, CGM. Yeah, that's what they call the halo, is CGM. It's a heated halo. And the halo is gas that emits light? Uh, so in the, it's like an incubator for star formation. So in the halo, that's where many of the galaxies, stars started. And from that, the kind of a cycles through, like after the stars have been formed, it somehow like re recycles and takes it back. And so it's a very, I guess you could say a very, and 
an ancient, like a very origin of a lot of formation and universe creation. So that was uh, why these satellites were originally sent out for, were to find this matter that is said to be uh, around since like the beginning of the universe. So they've been looking for it and they noticed the whole thing about the CGM being a clumpy halo for the Milky Way. Hmm. Hopefully when I listen to this again, I'll understand what you're saying. Yeah, to sum it up, they <laughs> launched these mini satellites called the HaloSat. They noticed x-rays from around the uh, center of the galaxy that formed a halo. In these halos, there's clumps. These clumps were they the higher X-ray emitted areas have greater star formation. The dimmer areas of X-ray were less active, um, and these gases were like helium and these things used to create all sorts of celestial objects yeah uh-huh. so where are these satellites sent to uh they're just mini satellites just uh outside hmm. okay yeah they relaunched in may 2018 from the iss it was the first mini satellite funded by the nasa's astrophysics division Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, if we go more in depth into uh, the Milky Way, we go into the supermassive black hole. The galaxy has at the center of it all. Usually, uh, black holes are determined by three properties, mass, spin, and electric charge. Uh, the charges and should be nearly zero since matter is captured by a black hole's ele- I didn't know this is uh, electrically neutral so the mass determines the size of its event horizon they can measure that in many ways mm-hmm. and then the brightness of the material around it to the overall motion of nearby stars and then the spin is the most difficult uh, for them to study. There is a few ways that they they rotate. There's a retrograde where the outside like halo is spinning one way and the retrograde spins the other. Mm -hmm. There's a black hole no rotation and then there's a prograde rotation where they both spin in the same direction. Mm Mm-hmm. So the black hole's spin is usually its rotation, but yeah, black hole spin like mass is a space-time property. The spin determines how space is warped around a black hole. So to determine the spin, according to this article, is you need to study how matter behaves near it. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, so you can study it by x-rays, made by the accretion disk, 
take pictures of it like we saw earlier this year we saw the first picture of the black hole um, it says our black hole isn't very active and it's smaller than the closest one that's the M8 M87 um, so we can't measure it spinning by observing light near it <laughs> so when a mass rotates it spins space around it slightly and it says hundreds of stars uh, orbit the black hole at the center of our galaxy, about 40 of them, known as S-stars. And they have orbits close approach to black hole. Over time, these orbits have shifted by frame-dragging effect. If we measure these shifts, we can measure the spin. The greater the spin, the greater the orb shift. orbit shift said <laughs> in this new work when they studied it they found no frame dragging shift uh, so yeah we still don't know the way that the black <laughs> hole is spinning so. you know calculate the spin <laughs> of a black hole by the orbit of a star nearby mm-hmm. So these stars can be shifted <laughs> by a, f- a fame dragon effect. <laughs> that sounds really complicated, man. <laughs> it's like it's really, really. The relationship is very limited <laughs> to be able to ter- determine the spin of a black hole. <laughs> yeah, they said that. Um, uh, we know it's real because they measured the fra- uh, frame-dragging effect of Earth's rotation, but they can't put a probe in orbit around the black hole the same way we did in the Earth, so... <laughs> <laughs> so the stars are the closest <laughs> thing they can do. <laughs> so these stars are orbiting the black hole, or they just... Orbiting other things and just are affected by the black hole. No, they they orbit the black hole. They're very close. Okay. They're, um, as they say, uh, close. What is it? <laughs> close orbit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they they are related. I imagine that it's like some random star just orbiting another thing, and somehow this. Random black hole exit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sounds some complicated math. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, now we know how black holes spin. They can spin in the middle, different from what the accretion disk thing spinning the same or have no black hole rotation. But we still haven't uh, observed how our galaxy's black supermassive black hole is. So hopefully uh, we get more evidence mm. or studies done on that. I wonder if it's easier to study uh, other galaxies than it is to study our galaxy's black hole. Yeah, they're studying the other closest black hole next to us is the M87. He says that the spin of the M87's black hole is at least 0.4. Hmm. 
I'm not sure what the measurement is. Zero point four something. <laughs> I kind of wanted to conclude and say that I think that GM is ahead of Tesla, although they have people in their self-driving cars. Tesla just barely started testing this full self-driving cars. They may have done it through simulation or maybe they had cars do it a little bit, but they are just barely starting the beta. And Waymo has been doing this beta stuff for years and they finished their beta recently. So Tesla technically still has people monitoring the car in the car while these full self-driving cars are going out and about. So GM is starting to have these cars drive around without anybody inside them. I thought that GM were going to start um, doing their ride hailing service, but they haven't done that yet. But yeah, I still think GM is ahead of Tesla. They started designing their cars that uh, don't have any windshields and all that, mirrors and the pedal brakes. I don't know if Waymo has done that, but it seems like GM is Are they up there with the leaders. Electric? Uh, I'm just trying to think, like, how would they, like, fuel themselves? They just, like, plug themselves in somehow and get gas. <laughs> Yeah, maybe if they're in Oregon, that might make sense. They're like, oh, the robot car is coming by again. Time to fuel them up. Oh, it's a robot car. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a credit card that opens up the window and there's a credit card in there. It's like, okay, I'll take this and fill it up for you. (laughs) But yeah, I I expect it's electric. Probably just kind of like a Roomba, just like slowly come back home when they know the batteries are dying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh man, this car is dead in front of me again. It's like going five miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for listening last podcast was pretty good seems like our listenings are back to normal i thought that uh, the balance in the two podcasts might uh, be hard on the listening but i don't think it's affecting it yeah next week we have nick joining us uh we will have him uh, in his insights in the latest apple news and iphone releases i haven't heard anything from him for music so i'm not sure about that yeah, we also might do a, a bonus episode or this episode would be only on Spotify and uh, Anchor. Oh, yeah. And when we talk, we'll talk about uh, the Amaranth album mm-hmm. and I'll put the songs inside there so you could know a little bit about them. Some of the songs are a little hardcore, and I don't think a lot of people like that. <laughs> but I know I've been listening to the album, and there's one that is kind of not as hardcore, so I'll put that 
in there. I think I'll put at the end. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Nick's uh, loving it, so you have a lot to say about it for sure. Yeah. He listens to it like a <laughs> pop album, so he just has it on all the time. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and then uh, if you haven't, uh, you could see up on Nick's photography. Maybe we'll ask him a, a little more about his review on the his latest <laughs> film. Well, not film, digital camera. Yeah, I thought it was crazy because he took a picture or he showed a picture on an Instagram story where he zoomed up really close to one end. But it seems like the picture is like super long i don't understand how he did that mm-hmm. maybe just put them all together i don't know what he did there yeah it has <laughs> like hundreds of megabytes files just for one photo so yeah so we'll be catching up with him yeah and then uh i don't know we might have some kind of talk to you later late this week who knows <laughs> yeah i like how we have a culture of being informed in here and we have uh, some silly conversations stuff theoretical things that we like to talk about we we might we have an idea floating around (laughs) that we are kind of thinking about talking about (laughs) we'll maybe have that bonus episode as uh, another podcast call it the talk related podcast yeah All right, then uh, talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you later.